0: Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome back to Brown Bag Bets. Powered by Spurs. we are your daily dose of quick hit handicapping and sports betting picks. Now, normally, I would blow right past my guest host to get into our fabulous Felica Football Friday. But for the first time, on the other side of the screen, our producer, producer Dan Weiner. How does it feel, Dan? You're finally here. Instead of looking at us and trying to say stuff, the people can hear you now.
1: Well, it's nice to have someone who can actually talk college football with Felica, which is good. Uh, it's also nice because I've known Felica for a long time. And so when Andy was going on vacation, I was like, do you mind if I do the Friday show and be on with Alex and Felica? Because like I've known Felica probably since like, 2011. So it's been a while. So I thought it'd be a fun way to make my debut on the show, talking some college football. And spoiler alert, at the end, we will also talk some Breeders' Cup.
2: Perfect. Yeah, Dan is especially happy with the uh, the world the world champion Atlanta Braves.
1: Yes.
0: That's right. Dan from Atlanta, Chris. I know you had a Braves ticket there. Good. Yes, How's everything going? We'll get into college football in just a second. Where in the world are you this week? I see a pretty cool I'm, background.
2: I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm in Cincinnati, so I'm sure Oscar Robertson is lurking uh, behind me somewhere. With, <laughs> I, I always, I always say, and I think Dan, having been part of it, Game Day, can appreciate it as well. Like I've always said that anytime Game Day gets to a site, either a where we have never been or B have have not been for a long time, those are always my favorite sites and I think our best shows because uh, it's a new experience for us and it's a new experience for the fans. Now, these fans tomorrow may not be too happy with where they are in the college football playoff rankings, but uh, uh, I think we're going to have a great show regardless.
1: So I have a two-part question for both of you, Bear. I know your reaction to this because I listened to your podcast mm-hmm. with Stanford, Steve, this week. But So I guess I'll ask Alex, how do you feel about chili with cinnamon in it?
2: i don't know because if i've ever had chili of, with cinnamon the face in it. says it all
1: yes
0: this is an intriguing a, concept to me yes. i don't know if i've ever had chili with cinnamon in
1: it and it's skyline so skyline chili is like the, the big brand there and mm. so if you're not a fan of cinnamon in your chili my other question is how would you feel about it if it is made deep fried into the shape of a football
0: oh i'd eat that <laughs> I'd eat the hell out of that. You need a cheese cup to dip that into and Maybe that's cheese on the top, but you still need a side cheese cup. I, I would eat the hell out of that.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd definitely go cheese on top. I, I, I'm a, I think that's hot I'm, sauce. I'm, I'm, I love cheese. It's it's hot if, you sauce. The, if you see at the top, the, orange, right, the top right
1: of the picture, it says hot sauce. Yeah. But yeah, if you do it's like also some weird
0: thick-looking hot sauce.
1: But Noobs is a Philly guy, so he sees the, like something that's bright yellow, gelatinous-looking. He thinks it's whiz. Which, hey, I think exactly. we can all get down with that. Sorry to derail can that, but when I think,
0: I think that's cheese from a can, based yeah, on the looks, way that it's strung it, out it, like that. That looks yeah, like cheese from a can. Yeah,
2: it does. It looks like they the, the little uh, whatever that brand <laughs> is you just sprayed like the ready Whip can. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you're from Philly. Just give me two. Let's get three wit right now, and we can uh, and we can, we can pound those bad boys down while we do this.
0: That's I See, think I'll be getting one of those for lunch.
2: <laughs>
1: All right. Sorry to derail it. <laughs> well, asked,
2: if you're in Cincinnati, you
1: have to, you have to talk about skyline. That's kind of the rules.
0: I like it. All right. Let's get to some college football. Dan, what was the first game we have up here on the so list? The, I believe it was uh, Big Ten back, football.
1: Yeah, we're going back to the Big Ten, Wisconsin, the Beer and Brought R O T C Wisconsin offense, which just doesn't really want to throw forward passes anymore. Uh, heading to Piscataway, hitting the road, Bear, what are your What are your thoughts on this Wisconsin Rutgers game?
2: I, I know that people think that I'm a little crazy for, for getting and, and back in Rutgers oh, here, yeah, a team that uh, may not have a double-digit point total in their future in this game, but you, you you hit on it. The last two games, all Wisconsin has basically done is get turnovers and be in a position where they could run the ball. They've run the ball 99 times in the last two games, gotten eight turnovers off of Iowa and Purdue, Uh I would have to think that Greg Sciano is going to be able to find that running, uh, find that rush defense like they did in the second half against Michigan, shut them down, and at least force Graham Mertz to throw the ball a couple of times to make a couple of throws. And when that happens, you bring turnovers into play, which brings short field into play, which potentially brings down offensive touchdowns into play, which brings Rutgers covering into play. So uh, I'm going to take the 13. I think there might have been some 13 and a half out there as well uh, in certain spots. So I am going to take Rutgers plus the Bulls.
1: When you I see like a total, that. when you see a total of 38, in last the Iowa game, I think it was 37, 37 and a half, and it somehow they managed to yep. stay under. Is is there, do you ever look at those as kind of a contrarian and say, I mean, 38 is just really low? Is there we talked about with Mertz, if they force him to throw that the interceptions are always in play? Is it something that you just you look at and you say no, thank you, or you kind of look at it and say, oh, I'm mean, gonna have a contrarian take on that?
2: No, I I I think that the contrary intake actually is the under. I think most people see a total that low, and they go, there's no way they're going to go under that. Uh, They'll go over, and definitely somehow, you're right. It worked out last week, because I did have the under 37 and a half, and somehow uh, they got through the fourth quarter without any points. I remember too, something else that I brought about with the, with the turnovers. Wisconsin in those two games had four super short scoring drives, like five yards gained or less. So it's still not an offense I trust to really. Move the ball up and down the field, especially on a defense that I think will be able to stop the
0: run. Yeah, you always have a big number or small number bias of people. We saw it in the NBA in a big way last year. We talked about that a lot. I think it was like totals above 234 were great, totals below like mm-hmm. 210 were fantastic. So it is tough for people mentally to see less than you know 38 points in this game. But like you guys said, there might not be that many possessions because you know we're going to be running 20, 30 seconds off the clock every single play, watching them run the ball over and over again. So we got Rutgers plus thirteen here. I, I like that. That's, and maybe you know what? What the heck? Maybe I'll put it with the under if someone will let me do that. We got some ACC football: Georgia Tech, Miami, Miami, the Hurricanes laying ten here. The total sits at sixty-four. What do you see here, Bear?
2: But I, as a Miami alum, I am super happy that the last couple of games they have won outright as an underdog, and they had a couple of bad performances, um, and they played through it. They fought. They appear to have a quarterback. Uh, in, in Tyler Van Dyke, but I, I'm not ready to lay right. uh, double digits with the team that, oh, by the way, last year lost to Georgia Tech as an 18-point favorite. The last three meetings have been decided by 14 points. And if you go back, and again, some people pay attention to systems and trends and notes and history, and some people don't, so all I'll, just going to do with the information as you wish. Uh, Miami against NC State last week against Pitt were greater than field goal underdog won the game out later. you go back over the last 10 years there have been 13 teams that have won consecutive games as, as an underdog of greater than a field goal those 13 and were a double-digit favorite in the following game those 13 teams were three and ten against the number and lost four outright so it's more you think about it and it makes sense because it's teams that aren't really expected to win games and then they do and then suddenly they get overvalued as a double-digit favorite and don't cover a big number, meaning that that underdog number was probably more accurate. So uh, I'll be on Georgia Tech here.
1: Faden, Faden, the alma mater. I like it. I mean, I respect it. And like you said, I mean, that's you win the NC State game the way that you win that game, and then you go and and you go into Pitt, who's coming off a huge win, and you get the upset there. Yeah, it feels like this is a classic letdown spot. I mean, good luck to anyone who though can also ever figure out what Georgia Tech. Is going to look like from week to week because that's a team that's kind of bizarre. But yeah, I think this is a lot to lay with Miami.
2: I'm still trying to figure out how Georgia Tech blew that game against Northern Illinois to start the year.
1: <laughs> that's just one of those. That's a, a really, really weird, weird result.
0: It's just Georgia Tech. It's a funny school. They're good sometimes. They're odd other times. It's just who knows what's going on down there. There's too many people focused on Georgia. Now we'll go here. We got Oregon State yeah, focused Land. on
2: Georgia for a bad reason today. <laughs> No, that's
0: sure. Oregon State minus 10 against Colorado here, the total sitting at 54. Uh, what are you thinking here, Chris?
2: I, I, Oregon State has kind of been a predictable team this year, uh, I think. Uh, you lose a couple of road games that you could easily see them losing uh, at Wazoo with Game being on the line and, and at Cal. But now you get the perfect elixir. You get that Colorado offense. If you throw out the garbage time, it's Oregon, Oregon backups and the game against. Arizona, who's right there amongst the worst Power 5 team teams in the in the country. You look at the games against Power 5 defenses, what Colorado has scored, seven shutout, 13, 14, and three. So I don't see Colorado being able to match the offense that, that Jonathan Smith and that, and, and that Beaver's offense is going to be able to put out throughout. I think Oregon State gets a, a much-needed get-right-get-well win in Boulder tomorrow.
1: Yeah, one of the things that – I like or one of the reasons why I look at the first playoff rankings and don't even really pay them any mind whatsoever is there's just so much football left to play. Yeah. Oregon, Oregon has to go to Utah. And then the next week they play Oregon State, who's been really good this year, like flying under the radar. Now the game's in Eugene, but it's a rivalry game. And this is the best Oregon State team in a couple of years. And yeah, this Colorado team. Just like you said, they've struggled so much on offense, and Oregon State's actually fun to watch. Now, I don't know if this is a Pac-12, I'm assuming probably a Pac-12 network game, so good <laughs> luck, good luck exactly. trying to find this one on your TV dial out there. But if you get a chance, watch Oregon State. They're actually a surprisingly fun team to watch, and I like this look a lot for Oregon State.
2: Yeah, really good back.
1: Yeah. All right, our next one, unbeaten Wake Forest, talking about the playoff, uh, the playoff rankings again, I think, what, ninth? Eight uh, zero for the first time ever on the road as underdogs at North Carolina. What are your thoughts here?
2: Uh, I've I've made my donation to the to the North Carolina uh, losing kitty this year. I'm done with it. <laughs> like like their their defense is an abomination. I mean, they made a Notre Dame offense which has been pretty pedestrian all year long. Uh, this unit which can run and throw for over two twenty five. Um, every time you thought they were going to get back in the game, they'd give up a, a long run to Kyle Williams or a long pass play. So. I'm done with North Carolina. I would be on Wake Forest here even though the line stinks. Usually I'm on the side of the the, the way the stink is going towards. But uh, it, it's just interesting because just the, the history of the matchup, it's the first time since uh, 1993 when you've had a team that's been 8-0 or better that's an underdog against a team that did not have a winning record. I know, by the way, it was an Auburn team that went on the road as a short dog and beat a Ray Goff coach Georgia team. So uh, <laughs> we'll see if uh, history can uh, can repeat itself here. But, but I, I, it's just great. It's a great story. Wake Forest is a great story. The team that entering the year had the worst winning percentage of any Power 5 team all time, and now they're undefeated in the uh, college football playoff top 10. So uh, the, the fan in me hopes that Wake Forest gets the win.
1: Yeah, if you haven't checked it out, there's an article on ESPN.com. Uh, I think it was, came up either today or yesterday about what Dave Clawson has built there, kind of one of the under-the-radar coaches in college football and how he's built Wake Forest, who when he took over the job, I believe was also ESPN, called it the worst Power 5 job in America. This was also when Kansas was still good, so that kind of lets you know how long ago <laughs> think,
2: think they. I think they have the smallest enrollment of any Power they 5 do. team as well.
1: Yeah, they do, and that was mentioned as well. And he's done a really great job there. And it, Wake Forest, this offense is just spectacular. Uh, the team total, Wake Forest team total over, I think is a good bet as well if you don't want to bet. What, what,
2: of- what is it? I haven't seen it yet. Because I haven't really seen it, but
1: looking scoring. at the total is seventy six, so it's probably going to be around 37? thirty seven, something like yeah, that. And yeah, I think they I think they're going to score forty. You got to think they're going to score forty, unless yes, would think so. unless there's some kind of just weird. Yeah. Noon hangover thing going on there, but I, I like that one a lot. And then, our I think, yeah, our last college football game on Probably the game of the weekend, today. yeah, a big one in the SEC West, Auburn hitting the road to college station, their four and a half point dog. Which side are you on here, Bear?
2: I'd be on AM here. I think AM, what they've done, uh, the upset of Alabama really turned their season around, and I still think there is something to home Auburn versus road Auburn but I'm just fascinated with the game and the significance of the game now I'm not sure how many people realize that Auburn is in control of its destiny to reach <laughs> the SEC championship game because they play A&M now and they have the Alabama game at the end of the year and on the flip side should A&M win this game and beat Auburn they'll be rooting for the Tigers mm-hmm. to beat to beat Alabama in the iron ball because then they could potentially go to the SEC championship game so I, I think people think this is kind of like a a throwaway meaningless type game in the grand sec race, but uh, it, it absolutely is.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on this one. I, I think it's a good spot for AM also coming off a of bye week this week. I think they've, they did something really smart in their last two games after the Alabama game. They realized that a chain and spiller were their best players and they just gave them yeah. the ball a lot. And that really worked out for NM so like there. However, I will say one thing, um, because you know I can't get through this without mentioning the world champion Atlanta Braves. And you can you can let your friend Reese Davis know this one as a Braves fan as well, Bear. And <laughs> in, in a weird twist, uh the last two times the Braves franchise won the World Series, nineteen ninety-five and nineteen fifty-seven, Auburn had a starting quarterback with the last name Knicks. And they beat Alabama both of those years Mm. in 1957 and then Patrick Nix in 1995, who I believe is Bonix's father, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Rico DeGaio in our chat will let us know for sure. So uh, don't like Auburn this week necessarily, but weird historical trend with the uh, world champion Atlanta Braves there. And obviously we can't let you go without, for those of you who don't know, by the way, Bear is a big, big, big college football guy but he might be a bigger horse racing fan than he is uh,
2: in college I'm so, so uh, I, I am. <laughs> yeah. College football is like adopted that growing up with family. Was work, family in Pennsylvania, huge Penn State fans. That was like my first indoctrination to college football. Mm-hmm. But like horse racing kind of is in my blood growing up around the track. My dad taking me to the track. His godfather used to write for the daily racing forum. So like, I, I've been around horses a lot longer than I have college football. This is Always my favorite weekend of the year with, with the uh, with the Breeders Cup and the Classic is going to be an interesting race tomorrow. Um, I, I think there's a really good chance we see a, a, a an upset in this race. I, I think you're going to have a lot of front end speed in the race. Uh, Medina Spirit's going to be on the lead. Mix Go is going to be on the lead. I think potentially our collector will probably be on the lead. Just, I just don't think think he can send. I think Tripoli, the one horse at fifteen to one, has a really good chance to to, to be right there at the end. Got to remember, last start, uh, Tripoli was five to two against Medina Spirit at Santa Anita, and he had a brutal trip. Basically, ran the race in the parking lot, super wide. He gets a, a rider upgrade to uh, to Arad Ortiz Jr. He draws outside to inside. He's on the rail. Uh, he won the Pacific Classic at Del Mar. He was second in the San Diego. There, his trainer John Sadler, is locally based. I think at fifteen to one, he is an absolute must use in the Classic tomorrow. And it, 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 I'm a little disappointed today because I was going to bet against the, the favorite Jack Christopher in the uh, in the juvenile, so, but he is scratched, which is unfortunate. So I think some of the value is probably taken out of that. But but I do think the number four horse Papa Cap is someone who should still be a pretty good price because I think Command Performance is probably going to go uh, second choice now, probably behind uh, the, the the Bob Backford horse on the outside. Uh, so I, I think Papa Cap, the four, for us today and the juvenile is worth a uh, is worth a look and then one other horse that i really do like uh tomorrow in the turf sprint is the uh, number 11 horse fast boat who ran huge on kentucky oaks day ran huge at saratoga off the layoff his last race he was shorter than five to one took, again took a lot of money didn't have a great trip he's an out he's a, he's a late runner so he's drawn outside so I think that's going to allow him to make one run late and he's, he's going to be double digits on the board. And I think with all the, the front end speed in there, I think fast boat is someone to take a look at in the turf sprint. tomorrow.
0: I love it. I love horses. It's one of my favorite things. I'm not any good at it at all, but I'll take all that <laughs> advice, see what I can do with it. Find a way to screw it all up. I'm sure. Um, anything else we got for Chris here,
1: Dan? I think I'm good. We appreciate him joining us as uh, as he does every Friday and Hopefully, the crowd in Cincinnati tomorrow doesn't blame the guys on the game day set who have nothing oh, to do we'll be with blamed.
2: the We'll, we'll be blamed. We'll be blamed just like last week. I was blamed for saying that Michigan State was a fraud, <laughs> even though that were those words did not come out of my mouth. It's funny. Hey, you know what? It shows people that's why we all, all three of us, love college football so much. The fans are passionate. They care. Uh, it's awesome. So, wouldn't have it any other way.
1: We appreciate your time as always, Chris. Have fun in Cincinnati. And uh, you guys are, which, what's your game tomorrow night? I remember you said on the uh, pod. But...
2: Alabama LSU is a oh. primetime game tomorrow. Yeah. So Eight. a nice a nice uh, LSU, probably mail it in type effort and 38 nothing at halftime. Yeah. 29, 29 and a half. What yeah. was the. 20, 28 and a half. You know what the amazing thing is? Last week, or in their last game, I should Alabama was only 25 and a half against Tennessee. So they're a bigger favorite at home against LSU than they were at home against Tennessee. It's amazing. Uh,
1: kind of let you know where both of those prog- programs are. Well, enjoy the weekend, Chris, Chris, and we'll talk to you next weekend.
2: You too, guys. Be welcome. See you, Chris.
1: So uh, do you want me to go – I mean, I, I think I put my bets this week here first just because I built them before yours. Go you're for many, it. To, to you're hot. You're on fire. Here. Let's go. All right. Well, it kind of sticks with it. We'll stick with some college football. So I, I have – three bets in a lean for you guys here the first one tonight uh boston college getting three points at home against virginia tech this is the red bandana game if you're unfamiliar every year boston college honors an alumnus wells crowther who unfortunately died during the 9-11 attacks he was in the south tower helping people to get out and uh, he was covering his mouth with a red bandana to try to fight off the smoke inhalation and so it's become this galvanizing thing at bc they're only three and four in red bandana games but if you take a deeper look one of them was last year against notre dame who was a playoff team there were also no fans they lost to clemson one year when clemson was not uh, the national champion and then they lost to florida state one year when they were a top 10 team And bc only won one game against fbs teams they usually play pretty well as long as there's not a huge talent gap there i like them getting points there and There are rumors going around that their quarterback, Phil Dracovic, might play. He's been out since the UMass game, and their quarterback play has been horrendous without him. So I like them there. Uh, Another on-principle play, I like the over Tulane UCF, uh, 59 and a half. Tulane is one of the worst teams defensively in college football. They uh, have not – the over has hit in all four road games they've played this year – UCF has kind of struggled on offense, making the transition from the Josh Heupel kind of deep vertical passing game to the Gus Malzahn offense. I don't think that's going to matter a ton here because every offense, at least when they're playing at home, has lit up the Tulane defense. And Tulane's quarterback might come back from a concussion problem and play this week. He's uh, questionable to play there. And then I know you see Valparaiso and you think 19 points. You're saying, is that college basketball? No, 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 no. That is football. You've probably heard about the story at Presbyterian College. They are a, so Presbyterian college dropped scholarship (laughs) football and joined a conference called the pioneer league. The pioneer league is an FCS conference, which doesn't allow scholarships. It is a literally coast to coast conference, teams in Florida, teams in California, Indiana, all over the place. Mostly schools you think of as basketball schools. Like I said, Valpo, Butler, Dayton, Davidson, they're all in this league. So Presbyterian dropped scholarship football and they end up hiring a coach named Kevin Kelly who was a legend in in the football nerd culture because he won a bunch of high school state championships, never punting. And he brought that style to Presbyterian. They've only punted seven times. They basically will only punt if they're on, they have like fourth in a million from their own goal line. And they don't actually have a punter. They either have their, their quarterback punt or their place kicker. Um, And they won their first two games this year against schools that aren't really schools. And they blew them out. Everyone was like, Hey, this is going great. Then they started playing actual FCS teams in their league, and it has been pretty much a disaster. They've they lost to Moorhead State by eight. The rest of their losses were by at least 20 points. Their last game last week, they played Stetson, who might be the worst or second worst team in FCS. And they <laughs> lost to Stetson by 42 points. So this is also another principal play. Uh, I've seen 19. These will usually come out Saturday morning. So, you know, when you wake up, check your book. If if, if this is lined at your book of choice and it's under three touchdowns, take Valpo on principle. I, they, Presbyterians turns the ball over almost every possession when they don't score because their quarterback basically just drops back and throws the ball. So uh, I'm just going with uh, – I'm fading the team that doesn't punt here and gives up a ton of points. And then the last one, just because I'm a degenerate who loves Friday night Ivy League football, a great game tonight, actually. Dartmouth hosting Princeton. This line is somewhere between three and four, wherever you can get it. Dartmouth, Princeton, Harvard are like the three best teams in the Ivy League, and they both of these teams have played Harvard, and those were close games. Princeton's probably the better team here, but I'm going to take a field goal or more with Dartmouth and lean there. Uh, So that's what I've got. Noobs, I know you've got some tennis and you've got some basketball for us.
0: I'll start with some tennis. Miss Anderson covered for us yesterday. We'll go back to the well with her. She continues to play good tennis. Uh, very underpriced again today. Um, was able to grab her at a little better number than this. She plays Katrina Scott, the Australian. You can take the money line, lay the games again if you want. I have this out closer to minus 160 myself. So again, was able to play this at a little better number. Poke around. You might be able to do better than this. But anything 130, 135 or better looks good. Katie McNally having a nice week and playing Masaki Doi. I think Doi getting a little too much credit here for being the second seed. Um, That's right, Matt Rooney. It was your pick yesterday. Sorry for taking credit for that. Uh, McNally here laying two and a half games. Again, Doi getting a little too much credit for being the second seed. McNally overall hasn't had the best year, but the much better player. Happy to lay the two and a half games here with her. So a couple tennis plays. Both of these should be this afternoon. Looks like there'll be actually tonight, East Coast time, 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. So a little night tennis for you while you're doing all the other stuff. Speaking of other stuff, the NBA, we got a bunch of picks today, the Absolutely loaded slate in the association. We'll start with the Spurs, minus one and a half. They're visiting the Orlando Magic. The second time they played the Magic this year, that was actually how they started their season at home with Orlando, beat the absolute pants off of them then. And I don't see any reason that's not going to happen again. Tough spot here for Orlando, kind of schedule wise. I have the Spurs here out as about a six point favorite. So minus three and a half looks good. Minus four is probably okay too. Pacers, lasers over. Overs are coming. And this, again, looks like a perfect spot. Two teams shooting the ball well their pace is starting to pick up a little bit as they get more comfortable with their new coaches 223 should still be out there starting to see some 223 and a half so i'll draw the line at 224 um you know i have this at 227 myself so 224 we're still at about a three-point edge which is fine pistons team total under 100 and a half Awful travel spot for the Pistons. If not for the Hawks' travel spot last night, this would probably be the worst travel spot season to date. Again, they continue to struggle. They continue to struggle to score 100 points. I believe they've only done it twice all year. Happy to go under 100 and a half here. And if you want, poke around, look for some alt unders at a few places. Maybe go with like an under 90 for some fun. It's just three and four back to back. Just an awful spot. Warriors minus nine. Really like the way the Warriors are playing. I have this out closer to 12, 12 and a half myself. They faced the New Orleans Pelicans tonight, who might be without Brandon Ingram, a 3-4 and four spot for them and at the end of kind of a long road trip here. So happy to lay a big number with the Warriors. That's starting to sneak out. I would play that up to 10. we will draw the line there. And then Cavs' first quarter, again, keep going back to these first quarter bets. I think we're just about 500 now, but having some some good results um, and some bad variants here just last night was pretty rough, having such poor shooting to start for both bets in the Jazz right. and the Rockets. It's-
1: so you're saying that the team that you bet against scored 16 points and didn't, and you still didn't win your bet. That's not that's bad variance there.
0: I would think so. I'd like to say it is. It's probably not. That's how I'll get myself to sleep last night. It's yet, but the Jazz somehow not able to win the first quarter, despite the Hawks only scoring 16 points. But. What are you going to do? We'll take the Cavs tonight. They've been a great first quarter team. They go into Toronto. I actually like Toronto in the full game here, but they've been kind of a slow starting team. I was expecting this line to be closer to a half a point to a point here. So happy to take the two. I have it again. Like I said, a half a point. Uh, Maybe I could make a case for one, but plus two looks pretty nice there. So a five pack of NBA picks. And I think that's everything. We're going to get it in just under 30 minutes, Danny.
1: Yeah, you got to love it. Uh, if I'm doing the math correctly, I would believe that Cleveland lost the first quarter in their last game. So I believe they are now seven and two this year against the spread in the first quarter. So I love that look. Uh, but yeah, that's what we have. Uh, we appreciate everyone listening. If you hated listening to me and Matt this week, Andy will be back. Hopefully Andy's listening right now and we'll, we'll bet some money on some of those breeders cup picks that bear gave out and he'll go make some money and then come back in a, a really great mood.
0: Love it. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Again, follow us. Sign up for WinBet. You get the risk-free Brett. Look at
1: uh, – <laughs> uh, oh, yes.
0: Look at prize oh, man, picks tonight. Not. Follow us on Twitter. Do all that good stuff. Give us thumbs up. Andy should be back next week, I think. We'll see. Maybe he just stays in San Diego, and that's, how, that's it. Bye, everyone.